I want to I just welcome you here. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Um, I'm so excited that you're here uh, to, to be part of King's Church. I want to welcome everybody here. Of course, if you are here, standing here, uh, we are in King's Church St. John. Uh, and in King's Church St. John, we are, we are one church in many locations. And right now, I just want to welcome our Bayside campus in East St. John. And uh, can you, uh, yeah, let's just welcome them here today. Can we do that? Hey, guys, I haven't had a chance to publicly say this, um, but you guys have been given a gift in Pastor John Robertson. And uh, actually, the New Testament says, yeah, clap for Pastor John. Uh, the, the New Testament actually says, Paul actually says in one of his letters that pastors are a gift to the church. And so you've been given an awesome gift, East. And so treat them well. I know what it's like to kind of be moving into a new place. And so give them a big hug today. Give them, you know, love on them. Uh, you know, buy them lunch. Do what it needs to take in order to bless him and welcome here. I also want to say welcome to everybody who's tuning in online, especially Halifax. Everybody, can we just welcome people from Halifax today? Yeah. That's my hometown now, church. It's awesome. It's good to be there. God's going to do some amazing things. I'm really excited about that. I'm ready to jump in the Word. Are you? Yeah, yeah I'm excited about that. Before we jump into Acts chapter 21, what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to read uh, a portion of Scripture together. This is a familiar Scripture out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 7. And if we can do this in one accord, uh, bring your best voice right now. Uh, I want us to read this out loud together. Can we do that? This is more than just a verse. It's a little bit more complicated than last week with Pastor Brent. But if you, could just, if you could just read this out, I want you to declare this scripture over your life today. Uh, so let's, let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it's on the screen uh, behind me. Let's read it out. Ready? Here we go. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Let me hear you say it. We are oppressed. Crushed. Come on, declare it. We are hunted down. Amen. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant death, death, because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in all our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. And then verse 16 says this, that is why we never give up. Can you repeat that with me? That is why we never give up. Turn to someone right now and say, don't give up. Don't give up. I want to talk to you today about living a life of bold faith and trusting God when he calls you to step into places that might be unsafe, they may be dangerous, they may be risky, even difficult. Make no mistake, God will call us to those places and he has very good reasons to do so. Uh, he wants to bless your life in those places, but I want to talk to you today about having bold faith to step into those places. And I'll, I'll be the first to tell you right up front, uh, I stand at the front of the line. I've been challenged all week by this, by this message. 
Uh, I've, it's encouraged me. It's challenged me. But my prayer for, for, for us is that it would transform us. That the word of God would transform us. I don't, I don't know. Again, I can't speak for you, but for me, I don't want to be a, a different creature a year from now than what I am right now. Even a month from now, even a week from now. And so my prayer is that it would transform form us today. My, my, my title of my message is this, Into the Deep End. Into the Deep End. You guys can all sit down, but before you do, you have to turn to someone and say, I'm throwing you into the deep end. I'm throwing you into the deep end. Do you remember the first time you jumped into the deep end? I remember I was about five years old, and it was in a pool in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, some of you uh, know my story, know my history. I grew up in a pastor's home, and there's a lot of perks. There's a lot of good things that come with being a pastor's kid. One of them is that you get to go with dad and mom on conferences, and it just so happened that I was with them for a conference for a week in Jackson, Mississippi, and of course, the hotel we were staying in had a pool. How many of you have kids and know that when you take them to a hotel with a pool, it's just as good as Walt Disney World? Am I right? I mean, I was just so excited. So we get to this hotel, and I was just, I, all, already I was pumped to go swimming in the pool. And I said, Dad, you know, we really, I know, I know you got things you got to go to, but let's go swimming now. Let's, let's go jump in. And Dad says, okay, I want to take you to the pool, but first, I want to tell you something, son. Today is the day you're going to jump into the deep end. Now, as a five-year-old, the deep end is really scary, you know? I mean, I was thinking to myself, I, I remember objecting to it, kind of saying, I, I don't know about that. And Dad says, no, wait, wait, wait a second. Uh, don't worry, son, I got something to show you. So he goes over to, uh, to his suitcase, and he unzips it, and what falls out are all these sort of, like, flotation devices. I mean, he's got, like, a bunch of them. You, you remember that ring that you blow up and you kind of put it around your waist? You remember those? You remember those, like, arm rings that you put on? Like, Dad had all of that. I mean, he had stuff for my feet, stuff for my waist, stuff for my arms, stuff for my head. I mean, I had goggles on. It took like 30 minutes to get ready to go swimming. And, and even when you get it on, I mean, some of you have kids. You see it. You, you get all this stuff on. They can hardly even walk. So I was just kind of sitting there like this. The Dad picked me up by the waist, and he goes, all right, son, let's go to the pool. So we go down to the pool. He takes me to the deep end, and he goes, on the count of three. He goes, are you ready? One. This is going to be the time of your life. Two, remember to hold your breath. And three, and then right when he said three, I panicked. I just started screaming. You know how, you know how your kids, when they panic, like they just start to like cry. It's just like, I can't do it, daddy. I can't. I was grabbing his, grabbing his throat. I was hanging on. And you know how kids, when they start to cry, like they hang on to one phrase. It's like, I remember I was like, I'm too young to die. I'm t I can't do it. I'm too young to die. Right? Some of you are looking at me right now and judging me. But it's the deep end, y'all. I mean, come on. Honestly. Now, this happened every single day of the week. Every time we went to the pool. Now you can judge me. I'm one of those kids. I just, I was screaming. The place was packed. I was screaming. But this is what I'm discovering, church. And maybe you can identify. I'm discovering this about God. Is that God wants to throw his children into the deep end. But oftentimes, we panic. I mean, we just read a scripture out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where Paul says, we are constantly living in the face of death, whether that's spiritual, whether that's material death, even physical. And I think that's a whole new reality that God is calling his people into, his church into. But oftentimes, when God is ready to throw you and I into the deep end, we just 
never jump. Do you know that there are really two ways to live your life? And actually, in Acts chapter 21, uh, this is illustrated really well. And so what I want to do is I actually want to draw this out because this is going to set us up for the rest of the message today. And we're, we're digging in really deep. We're going to play a little Pictionary. This is going to be a little fun. I'm not a good artist, as you can tell. This is land, this is the shoreline, and this is sea. I mean, look, look how terrible that is. But I want to read to you. I want to read to you out of Acts chapter 21, the first couple of verses. And I want you to, I want to draw this picture out first. And then I want to set us up for the rest of the, uh, of the rest of, the, of, of our time. Can I do that, church? Are you following along? We're good? Now, now, Paul in Acts chapter 20 has just been with the church of Ephesus. And Pastor Brent, last week as he was preaching uh, in Acts chapter 20, told us about the hardships that Paul was having in Ephesus. And in Acts chapter 21, we have a transition moment, and we see this at the very beginning, that he's leaving the Ephesus church, and now he's headed to Jerusalem, and this trip to Jerusalem is not going to be fun. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but he's heading to Jerusalem, and he's weighing over his head. This is deep water for Paul, okay? And I just want to read this to you, starting in verse 1, it's going to be on the screen behind me, but let me just read this to you. This is what it says. It says, after saying farewell to the Ephesian elders, we sailed straight to the island of Kos. The next day we reached Rhodes, it's another place, and then we went to Patera, and then we boarded a ship sailing for Phoenicia. We sighted the island of Cyprus, passed it on our left side, and landed in the harbor of Tyre in Syria where the ship was to unload its cargo. Now, I want to stop there for a second. I'm reading this to you. Can we just keep verse 1 up behind me, uh, if we can do that? You're you're looking at this, and you're saying to yourself, okay, that just sounds like a bunch of places, and and it doesn't really matter too much to me, and it really is a bunch of places, but one of the things that I've learned about the Bible is you can never take a section and skip it. There's always things there. You can't leave a word in the Bible unturned. And so what this is, uh, what I want you to see is I want, I don't want you to see a bunch of places and a bunch of names. I want to show you two different ways of how to travel. Because that's what we have. Now we're going to play some Pictionary here for a second. You'll notice in verse 1, uh, there's these names here. There's these, there's these uh, 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 names of places. There's Kos, there's Rhodes, there's Patera. There's, there's these places that Paul is traveling to. And in, in Paul's day, there are two different types of ways to travel by sea. Okay? This is very important for us to understand. Some of you are like glazing over already. I just want you to focus in. This is going to go somewhere. But he, there are two di- ways to travel by sea. One is by a vessel called a coasting vessel. And it sounds just like what it is, okay? People would travel along the coast. So this is, this is what I want you to have in your mind. Coasting vessel would kind of, it would hug the coast. And, and so people would travel that way. Let me just say, it's more secure to travel that way. You're always inside of the coast. You're, you're more safe. You never run into any problems. It's less risky. And so the first verse, Paul and his companions are traveling this way. This is one way that you can travel, all right? But in verse 2, we see that they board a ship that's going to Phoenicia, all right? This is a different form of travel. This is an open sea vessel is what they call. And an open sea vessel doesn't travel along the shore like this. It actually does something more like this. It goes out into deep water. It's so much more risky to travel that way. There are unpredictable conditions. To choose this way 
is to choose not to be safe. It is one that requires risk. And I just want you to see this for a second. Because I think it's a good picture of how people live life. That, that we can have two ways to live life. We can live life being safe. Or, or we can live life by risk. We, we can live life always hugging the coastline. Or we, can, or we can go into deep water. Let me ask you this question tonight, church. Which one describes your life? Which one describes your life? Here's another question I, I want to ask you is this. Which one best describes God? How many of you think that this safe way describes God? How many of you believe that God is a God of risk? That he wants to take you into deeper water? You're exactly right. God prefers in the scriptures the deep. And he consistently calls his children to go into the, into the deep. And he has no problem of doing it. Time and time again, we read in the scriptures, God always calling his children to go into deep waters. We read about their stories. Ordinary people who actually do it. They actually go into the water. They actually do it. People like Abraham, people like Joseph, people like Jacob and David and Rahab. In fact, the Bible is so emphatic about faith and bold faith that the Bible actually gives us a chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 called faith. And when you you go there, and you can go there later, we don't have time to read it uh, right now, but when you read it, one of the things you're going to discover is that it doesn't really have a clearly defined picture of faith. It's not just written definition form, it's actually written in story form. Let me say this, maybe one of the ways you'll know about faith is by hearing stories of people who had faith. And you know, the book of Acts is very similar. I don't know if you've seen this as we've been going through this, uh, this awesome book, but there are different layers to the book of Acts, isn't there? I mean, there's that layer where we see the advancement of the kingdom through the church as the church is continue, continuing to spread out. We see vision, we see mission, we see strategy within the church. We see the formation of the church community coming together. But one of the most remarkable features of the book of Acts that I just cannot get away from is that this is a book about people who have a resilient faith. So much so that this is what the early church was known for. They were known for their faith. And it still should be today, should it not? Yeah. You know, I, I, that's why if you are here at King's Church, maybe this is your first time, one of the things you'll notice when you walk into this particular room is that we have over in the back corner a list of what we called our code. And our code is really a picture of our values. And what we say is values create culture around here. And one of our code is that we are people who are prayerfully faith-filled. That we are people, as it reads, it says that we are people who in life and death are a praying people of active, isn't that a key word? Active, relentless, audacious faith in God. I, I just love that about our culture. But can I just be brutally honest? With, is it okay to be honest in church? Can I just be brutally honest with you? I mean, I, I, find, I find it's much easier to say that than to do it. 
I, I find it so much easier for me to articulate that on, a, on the wall than it is to articulate it in my own life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Am I speaking to anybody today? Because here, here's something I believe, church. I believe this. I believe God has been trying to nudge some of you for a long time to go into the deep end, whatever that may be in your life, but there's, a still, there's still a big part of you that says, I can't do it. I, I can't. Some of you, God is calling you into a new place of your marriage. Some of you, maybe it's in parenting, it's in raising your children, maybe it's in your job, maybe it's even within the context of the ministry of the church. I don't know if you've seen lately, but King's Church is moving wider and deeper, isn't it? On a very fast pace, and God may be calling you to places that are going to require you to go out into deep water, and maybe it's something private between you and God right now, but the moment you step out, it's going to become public, but there's something inside of you that says, you know what? I can't do it. I'm not qualified. I'm not educated enough. I'm not protected enough. I don't have enough money. Whatever it is, I believe all those things stem from one particular problem that I've many people deal with, and that is uncertainty. How many of you know that when you're uncertain, you feel unsafe? Don't you? I know for me, I feel unsafe. I don't feel safe when, when things aren't certain. And, and when something is, is un, when I am so uncertain, something inside of me surfaces to the level of my life where I become completely obsessive about security and about stability. But one of the things I've discovered, and by the way, those things aren't bad things. I, I don't want you to hear me on this. Like th Those aren't bad things to have in your life. Of course, we are to be secure. We are stable in Jesus Christ. They become bad when it's the only thing that we, that we have. But here's something I know to be true. I have found that my preferences for stability and for security, even pertaining in the mission that Jesus has us on, will often become obstacles to a life of blessing, to a life of provision, and even miracles that God wants me to have. Do you realize that there are some blessings that God reserves for people who step out into the deep end? Like you, you've, you've had all you've had right here. You've experienced what God has for you in this moment, right now. Everything. But God has more for you, and it's out in the deep end. But it's a tough fight, is it not? Do you not find it? It's a tough fight. God's calling maybe some of you guys to be a better husband, but your past is saying, no, you can't. Maybe God is calling you to a new place in your vocation, but, but somewhere inside of you, you're, it's, it, there's that voice that says you're not educated enough. Maybe for some of you, it's peace, but your anxiety says, no, you can't do it. Maybe God is calling you to move, maybe physically, maybe even spiritually into new places, but your friends are telling you, you can't do it. And when this battle, this tension of God wanting to lead me to new places and the tension of me dealing with, uns uh, with uncertainty, when they come into full-fledged full uh, in my life, one of the things I find is I become way too discontent. You know, I find even people who come to church on a regular basis still deal with discontent in their life. And it has nothing to do with God. 
It has nothing to do with, with God's grace. He hasn't, there's no lack of grace. It has nothing, his goodness hasn't run out on us. He, he doesn't lack clarity for my life or, or the vision that he has for my life or, or, or where he wants to take me. God is not less sovereign. But one of the things I realize is that people are discontent not because of God, it's because they haven't stepped out yet. You see, discontent doesn't just come from having too much threat in my life. Sometimes discontent comes because there's too much safety in my life. And maybe I'm speaking to someone today, I don't know. And maybe you're on the edge of the pool and what God wants to say to you today is you've experienced everything that you can experience where you're at. He has more for your life, but in order for you to have it, you gotta go into the deep end. You gotta step out. And I sense that today as I've been preparing for this message that God has positioned you here and he wants to lead you. He wants to guide you into new territory. And, and, he wants you to, and he wants you to break that fear of uncertainty. He wants you to break that place of complacency and comfort. And it's a whole new level of, of blessing that he wants you to experience of your life. And, and, but the problem is you still don't know what to expect. You are uncertain about where God wants to take you. And what I want to do for us for the rest of our time today is I want to give you four things that you can expect when you jump out. Four things that you can expect when you find yourself going into deep water. And let me just say from the start, I find myself in deep water every day right now. So you're not alone. And, and I think the Apostle Paul would know how you feel, because Paul's not alone either. Of course, this guy, we've heard his story for a very long time now, as you already know. This guy has dealt with a lot in his life. I mean, he's dealt with opposition. He's dealt with betrayal. He's dealt with being physically beaten. And in Acts chapter 21, he's, no surprise, he's dealing again with more issues of people trying to resist him from going into the deep end. He's on his way to Jerusalem, let me remind you of that, and it carries with it considerable, considerable risk. It's uncertain. It's deep water, but Paul is absolutely determined to go. And, and, and in this, what we find is we find four things, four expectations in this text that I think will help you out today. Are you, are you with me still? You good? East? We good to go? Here's number one. Here's the first expectation. The first one is something actually not to expect. Don't expect everyone to go. Don't expect everyone to go with you. Look at verse 4. It says, when we went ashore, we found the local believers and stayed with them a week. These believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. It's interesting. When we returned to the ship at the end of the week, I love this, the entire congregation, including the women and children, left the city and came down to the shore with us. There we knelt, we prayed, here's a key phrase, said our farewells, we went aboard, and they returned home. Listen to me, church. God wants to take you some places, but there are some things you have to say goodbye to. Some of you are here today, and there are things in your life that you need to say goodbye to in order for God to take you to a new place. Some of you, it's a, different, it's a mindset that, that you need to release to, to the Lord and it's a way of thinking, and God wants, God wants you to release that. He wants you to say farewell to that mindset. For some of you, it's a pattern of life. God wants to, wants to give you a new life, wants to give you new patterns of life, but you have to say goodbye to those patterns. For some people, you have to say goodbye to some people. 
You see, when God wants you to go deeper, some of you are wondering, can I do that? Is that, is that okay? Listen, something I've discovered is that God gives me permission to say goodbye to things when he wants to take me to a new place. I've experienced this in my own life. Some people, and it's hard to do that. I'm, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you this. I'm a self-proclaimed people pleaser. It's very difficult for me to say goodbye to people, but there are some people, and I've experienced this in my own life. I'll be the first to tell you this. I've I've experienced this where where I've had, in my circle of people, I've been really excited to tell people where God is taking me, and they weren't excited about it as I was. There are some people, listen, who are not going to board the same ship as you, and they're going to walk away. And when they do, and I hope this frees you up, because this is not something that we hear often, but when they do, let them walk. There are some people who aren't going to go with you. Listen, go anyways. It's nothing personal. It's not that I don't love people. But how many of you know that everything happens for a reason, and everything happens in a season, and there are seasons of our lives where God takes us to places with people, but they're not going any further, and God wants to take you with him, and you've got to say farewell. It's not, like, it's not that I don't love you. It's that I don't mean disrespect. It's that I have an appointment on my life, and I can't stay here. My destiny is not tied to people who stay when God is calling me to go. You know, this is why I believe King David experienced like blessing and favor and strength to a degree that nobody else did in his day. Um, Because this guy, if you recall, like um, remember that when he goes out to battle Goliath and he's the only one to go and he leaves King Saul and even his brothers behind, they stayed and David went. I think David was saying, hey guys, you can stay here, but I'm going. I've been appointed to go. I can't help to go. I need to go. Listen, some people in your life are just comfortable with being comfortable, with being safe. And some people have lived there so long, that's all they know. But let me tell you something. I hope this frees you up today. And some of you are looking at me like, whoa, this is coming on strong, right? But, But this is your life. This is your future. And I believe God has a path. God has a blessing. God has a provision. God has a miracle for you, and it's in the deep end. And you need to be freed up today to say farewell to things, to circumstances, to problems, to sin, even to people. It is time to say goodbye. you got to be intentional about it. Go, don't be afraid to, to step into where God wants to take you. I love what the text says. It says that when they were looking for that ship that was going out to sea, it says they, they, they found the ship that was crossing to Phoenicia. And if they found it, it meant that they were looking for it. They went after it. This ship is leaving, and we're, not, we're, we're leaving with it. You guys can stay, but when these things go, we're going to. Not everyone's going to go with you. But before we move on, I want to just tell you this. Some will go with you. Surround yourself with people who are going after it, who are intentional about it. Let them inspire you. Let them challenge you. Maybe some of you are saying, I don't know anybody like that. Get to know people like that. Walk up and say, hey, I'm Seth Fancy. I don't know you, but I like where you're going. Can I go with you? Some will, but not everyone. Don't expect everyone to go. But in the face of that, here's number two, expect God to confirm where he's taking you. I've often found in those times where in my own life where I, God is trying to lead me into a new place of my life that 
that, uh, and, and I feel almost alone in it, that God comes in and he confirms it, sometimes even in strange ways. And we see that here in verse 7. Look what it says. It says, the next stop after leaving Tyre was Ptolemy. That's right. That's a silent P there. Yeah, that's right. I, uh, I watched the, the National Spelling Bee a couple weeks ago. Anyways, Ptolemy, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed for one day. All right, we're only here for a day. We're moving on. That's what Paul says. The next day we went to Caesarea and stayed in the home of Philip the Evangelist. Now we're finding people that they know. One of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. He had four unmarried daughters who, who had the gift of prophecy. I'm not really sure why that scripture is there. I think it's a plug for women in ministry. Uh, verse 10. Several days later, a man named Agabus. This is, this is just weird. Who, who also had the gift of prophecy. Listen to this. Arrived from Judea came over, took, took Paul's belt, uh, just picture this, and bound his own feet and hands with it. And then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. Okay, now, I've seen, as I've read the scripture, a, a lot of weird things that prophets do. But this guy just takes the cake. I mean, this is just, I mean, I'm not, I'm, let me just, I'll be the first to tell you this, there ain't nobody touching my belt. Like, I don't, I don't care how holy you are. I don't care if you're a prophet of God. Like, this guy may be a wonderful man, but he has no understanding of personal space. There's no, you know, you're not touching my belt. Actually, uh, this past week in our creative team, I was talking to the guys. I said, I think, would, would a couple of you guys like to come up and actually act this out for the church? I think they'd like to see that. Um, no one actually responded except Pastor Andy. Um, <laughs> Which I still don't know. Actually, before service, he t I get this text from Pastor Andy, and he says, do you really want me to come up and take your belt? I was like, dude, no. I don't, please don't do that. Like, that, would be, that would just be strange, right? But, but as strange as this is, God is confirming to Paul where he's taking to him. He really is. In fact, the Lord spoke to Paul about what's going to happen in Jerusalem. He didn't know, but if you were to read Acts chapter 20, verse 22, back in Ephesus a chapter ago, look, I just want to read this to you. Look what it says. This is, this is what Paul is saying to the people of Ephesus. He says, now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that, that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life, I love this. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. What an attitude to have. But God is confirming here in Acts chapter 21, I am taking you where I told you I am taking you. Agabus is not just a creek, Paul. Like he really is coming with a message and he is, I am taking you where, where I want to take you. And, and I think this is actually a pretty cool confirmation. I was just, I was doing some research on this. This is like, again, it's kind of a strange picture, but how many of you recall Paul talking about the armor of God in the book of Ephesians chapter six? Do you, any of you recall the very first piece of the armor? It's what? Anyone? The belt of truth, isn't it? And, and so I think what Agabus is saying to Paul, what, what the Holy Spirit is saying to Paul through Agabus is that the truth you're speaking about God is actually going to bind you up. Some of you are saying, I don't know if I like that word, but let me just say something to you. Sometimes when God speaks something that sounds like a warning, it is actually a confirmation. I can see it on your face. I can see it on your face too, East 
And some of you are saying, I don't, I don't really like the sound of that. I mean, if, if a word like that came to me, that's not something I would just simply say yes and amen to. It, it just isn't. And, and there aren't many people that would say that. But let me just push back for on a moment about how we, how we live our lives with God. Are you at a place in your relationship with God that he can tell you things you don't want to hear, but you still trust him? Are you at that place? Because... We don't seem to have a problem with our best friends doing that. But, but when God does, we, we are quick to become suspicious, even fearful of what God is. Maybe you're saying, Seth, well, that doesn't sound safe. That doesn't sound like being in the strong tower or wings like eagles. But listen to me, church. Let me just, let me just push back on this, this concept of safety for a moment. Safety is never defined in the scriptures by being in place where there is no pain, suffering, or even death. Safety is defined by standing in the presence and in the word of the Lord. Every time. That's why Paul can say in 2 Corinthians, we read it together, I'm pressed on every side by troubles, but I'm not crushed. I'm, I'm being, we're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted, hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. This is why it's possible to be standing in a lion's den and never get eaten. This is why it's possible for guys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in a fiery furnace and they never, ever get Burned because safety is never about where you are. Safety in the scriptures is always about who you are with. And I've also discovered that, you know, being in the presence of the Lord redefines our reality, doesn't it? Like you can be in any place and it can be completely unsafe, but God has a way, just his presence has a way of redefining that moment for us. I was thinking as I was preparing this, a little bit early in the book of Acts, there's, there's the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr of the church. And, and, and it's, it's kind of a graphic picture. Stephen's in this pit, and, and when they stone people, don't think of like big, huge craters that they put over their head. They, they had like softball-sized rocks so that they could just peg it at, at, at people's heads. And the scripture says that, like, it's chaos all around Stephen, and he's being stoned, and the scripture says that he just simply fell asleep. And just being in the presence of God, I don't know about you, but it redefines even the places that I'm in. God has a way of taking care of us in those moments that even seem dire and rough, but it's his confirmation. He tells you where he's taking you, and he tells you that he's always going to be with you. Here's the third thing. But don't expect, here's another don't expect, don't expect good people with good intentions to understand it. Just don't. Look at verse 12, verse 13. It says this, when we heard this, this is key, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go. So the writer Luke is saying this. Luke's companion, Luke, who, or Luke, who's been with Paul this whole time, he's writing down the book of Acts. He's roping himself into this now. And he's saying, we, I am part of this. I, I, we begged him not to go to Jerusalem. He's heard from God. He's been confirmed from God. But, but he's not going. We don't want him to go. But look what Paul says. I love this. Why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Don't you find it sometimes that God wants to take you places, but the, the people who are closest in your life just don't understand it? Maybe you have people, maybe God has been 
been doing some amazing things in your life, and maybe it's your mom or your dad, and they just don't understand it. Maybe it's your husband or, or, or your wife and your partner, and they just don't understand what's going on, and, and you almost feel alone. You, you know, one of the things I've discovered sometimes is that when God confirms things in my life, it might sound like a threat to someone else. And some of these are good people. You know, I, I just moved to, to Halifax, and uh, when, 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 this whole, when this whole journey started for my wife and I, I remember, I remember uh, talking to people, and, and just to be blunt with you, um, not everyone was excited about it. I had people say to me, you know, Seth, I, you're moving to Halifax? Wait a second, don't your parents live around here? Aren't you having another child? Listen, that's not an easy conversation to have with your mom and dad. Say, oh, by the way, we're moving further away and we're having a second grandchild. Thanks, you know. But one of the things I've learned and and discovered in my own life in this journey, in this process, is that I've come to understand that God still confirms it in ways. And and, and some people just don't understand it. And I've got to be okay with that. Because there's a lot of good people in your life and there's a lot of good people in my life who have a lot of good intentions for your life. And they have no problem telling you, but it's not God's intentions for your life. It just isn't. And so when people say, you move further away from Halifax, I say, amen. Or from your parents, amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Think about how much people have missed out because they sought after the favor of good people with good intentions rather than the favor of God. You know, one of the hardest stories I heard was a couple years ago from a gentleman who I, I really respect. I really love this gentleman, but he was, we were just kind of hanging out one night and it just opened up as being very vulnerable to me. And he was telling me about a time in his life where he where, where he was younger, and he sensed a call to, to go as a, into ministry to be a missionary around the world. And that time has long since passed, but he was telling me about the, the time where he, you know, in that moment, a lot of good people came around his life, and they were just kind of saying, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if that's a good idea. You got a family, you got, you know, you got a job, you got kids, you got a family, you know, you got all these things you have to do, and he never went and that night, it, it just broke my heart to hear, hear him tell me his story. He said, I, I feel, Seth, I feel like I've missed out on my life. Because those were good things, but I, I didn't step into the deep end. I feel, I feel like I've missed out. Church, listen, I don't want you to miss out on the opportunities that God has for you. I really don't. I, I mean, and, and I think sometimes the reason why we do is because our why in life isn't Jesus. It's other things. It's, you know, I talk to people all the time, like, I just want to retire soon. I, I just, I just want to have a good family. And those aren't bad things, but I'm telling you, when, 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 when stuff hits the ground, when my why is, nothing, uh, is something else other than Jesus, that's when I sink in the deep. But when Jesus is my motivation, when he is my life, when he is the mission that I'm on, I find that I can ride any water. Some of us, I'm just speaking speaking from my heart today. Some of us, we, we want Jesus to be our way, but we've yet to make him our why. Our why is still we want to get rich. Our why is still to move up in our business. But for Paul, he's saying, you can throw anything at me. Listen, I'm ready for this. I don't care. If death comes, Jesus is bigger than death. 
He's my motivation. He's everything that, I, that I've ever wanted, everything I've ever dreamed. And I, I can't say that I've, I've come to that place yet. I really can't. I've been struggling all week with this, with this message because I, I, I know that I have not obtained it. But it's good to know that Paul didn't either. Philippians chapter 3, he said, not that I've already obtained this or that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep marching ahead, but don't expect good people with good intentions to understand it. Here's the final thing. We're going to close soon. This is, this is the good news. I love this. Expect God to change the people around you through you. Expect people. I'm, let me explain this. Look at verse 14. It says this. Let's read the text. It says, when it was clear that we couldn't persuade him. This is Luke now talking and all of his compadres, all his entourage talking. When, when, when it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up. I love that statement. We gave up, and look what they said. They said, let the Lord's will be done. What did they give up? Here's what they gave up. They gave, they gave up an earthly perspective, and they replaced it with a heavenly perspective. Do, do you know that there are people that are going to change because of you? When you step out into the deep, it has, I, I, and, I can, and I can't, quite put my, my understanding around it. I, I just trust that God brings something upon people of faith, that when you see people of faith stand out, they have the ability to bring people up with them to their level, to rise up. And I believe that God wants to, many of you to step out into new places. Maybe, maybe you even know, maybe only you know what that is, but he wants to use your passion. He wants to use your heart. He wants to use your resolve to bring others with you, to change their perspective. As we see that's going on here in the text, that they said, we gave up. We gave up what we were thinking, and we adopted what we should have been thinking, that we just want heaven to come. We just want God's will to be done. That our minds would be changed on, or would be, would be put on things above and not on earthly things. Do you realize that God can use your life to change the perspective of the people around you? There's power in testimony. Doesn't the book of Revelation say that we overcome by the blood of the land and the word of our testimony? And it's not just a verbal testimony. I believe it can also be a living testimony. I don't know about you, but when I see people of faith who are bold and they, and they go into the deep end, it inspires me. It changes me. You know, uh, many of you know this, but I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had our first interest night in Halifax. And uh, it was an awesome night. We, we, we were at this coffee house in, in, uh, in, in Bedford. I think there's a picture of it. Can we get that picture up? Do we have a picture of it? I want to show you. There's a picture of it. We're in this coffee house, and you can't see everybody, but there's about 50 people there, and this was so much more than we anticipated, and, and uh, it was just, just kind of a, you know, you, you're stepping out in faith, and you don't really know. I mean, I, I kind of felt, well, maybe it's just going to be me and my wife and my daughter, the three of us there that night, and 50 people showed up, and there were many people there that night I was meeting for the first time. I'd never met them. They just felt prompted to come, and so um, it was just a wonderful night to be there, and um, just really spoke. A lot of people are interested. A lot of people, uh, I'm doing a lot of follow-up right now, a lot of coffees, a lot of, you name it, I'm out there. I'm doing everything I can to just, to just see where people's hearts are at and, and, and sharing our vision as a church. And what a, I gotta be honest with you, it's an, it's an honor to do that for our church because I believe in it. I truly do. 
I want to be able to say about our vision and our mission that God has us on at King's Church. I want to be able to say to Jesus and to the people around me, I'm ready. I'm going for it. But what was so captivating for me, church, was uh, it was a couple days later. And I went back into the coffee house that we rented. It was a swanky place. It was a nice coffee house. And I wanted to talk to the owner. And I wanted just to thank him for letting us use his space. We, we rented it out for a fee. And we sat down over in the corner. And he said, man, that was an awesome night. Don't you think? And of course, my mind went to logistical things immediately. I thought, oh, yeah, you know, it was good. You know, uh, pro presenter wasn't working. You know, I, I, wish, I wish that we had the music going, you know, earlier in the night. I wish we had our, 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 our welcome team ready quicker. I wish we'd done all these things. And, and I kind of went on and on and on about all these things I just didn't like. And then he said, no, 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 no. That's not what I was talking about. It's what you said that night that was awesome. I said, what? What are you talking about? You see, with our rental, there were three baristas that Cortado gave us that night. And they were there to hear our vision and our mission. But they were here, there to hear that God has something, a heart for Halifax to see it thrive and flourish. That night we prayed over that coffee house that it would thrive and that it would flourish and that God's blessing would come upon it. And Joe, the owner, looked at me and he said, something happened in this place that night. Something happened in my workers. This place hasn't been the same since we were here. I went in to thank him and he was thanking me. And he said, my business needed this. We needed this. And as he got up to leave, he shook my hand and he said, Seth, I'm with you, man. It's finally good to see someone who's, who's doing it rather than just saying it. And in that moment, it dawned on me that you don't know who's going to step in when you step out. You just don't know. But there's something about a life of faith, of bold faith, who is willing to go into the deep end where God says, you know what? You're not going to go alone. You're not going to go alone. I'm going to bring people up. I'm going to bring people with you in this. And be surprised. Be surprised who, who, who doesn't come and join you in this. But live a life of bold faith. Go after it. Jump into the deep end. Now, Good news is I actually did jump into the deep end when I was a kid. I actually did it. And when I did, there was two things I remember, and I'll be done here in just a second. I remember, number one, my father's face when I did. I looked back, and I was terrified and petrified. I was scared, screaming. I looked back, my dad was smiling ear to ear. And he was proud in, like, a good way. And here's what I'm discovering, church. There is a joy of the Father on those who step out. God's saying, that's my boy. That's my son. That's my daughter. Look at them. I'm I, I, I have pride in him. My boy can swim in the deep end. That's the first thing I remember. The second thing I remember is that when I, when I went in, I, I floated. <laughs> remember all that stuff I was wearing? Listen to me, church. Some of you 
God is wanting you to go in the deep end. And what you need to know is that God has equipped you to rise above the waves, no matter the circumstance, no matter what it is, no matter if it's your job, no matter what you're going through right now. And and what he's equipped you with is grace. I have found time and time again for the last month, there are days I'm tired, there are days that I'm just exhausted, there are days I'm thinking, oh my word, God, like we need a miracle here because like we, we need a church here. And, and it's just like somewhere, someone, I know that people are praying for me and God has given me a grace to be able to rise up and to ride the water that I'm already in. And I want to trust you. I want, I want you to trust that tonight. Some of you are here, and God is calling you into the deep end, and, and you're scared, you're uncertain, but God has equipped you with grace already so that you can jump in, and you can, you can, you can float on any sea that you may be in right now. My heart goes out to those of you who, who maybe you're, you're fearful of it because it's not uncertainty. It's that you're, you fear going alone. I just... The Lord's just been pressing that on my spirit this week, just that there are people who are lonely. Maybe you're a single mom out there and you're trying to raise your kids and you just don't know how. God's given you the grace to do it. Maybe you just lost a spouse and you know deep in your heart that, they, that these are the people, that, that, that your spouse was the backbone of the family and you're wondering, how am I gonna do it, God? And you feel alone. Listen, don't feel alone. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's given you grace. He's given you strength to jump into the deep end. Can we pray? Can we pray together? Would you stand as we close today? Jesus, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you that it's sufficient for every good work. Lord, I just want to pray uh, as we close today, Lord, just this scripture that you prayed in Colossians chapter 1 where it says that, that you prayed for the church to be strengthened with all glorious power so that you would have endurance and patience for every time of need, that we would be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. So Lord, it's an honor to stand here. Lord, it's an honor to be chosen, to be thrown into the deep end, God. And I just pray that you would give us courage where we don't have it, Lord. Would you give us grace where we don't think we can float, God? Would 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 you be able to provide for us? Would you give us new mindsets, Lord? Would you give us permission to say goodbye to some things? Some of us tonight, you're calling us to jump in, but but we have to say goodbye to some things. Lord, give us the courage to do that. Give us the courage to be able to to have that kind of resilient faith to say, I am ready. It doesn't matter what you throw at me, God. Your grace is going to keep me buoyant above the waters, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray over this body. Pray over this place. Lord, we thank you that you've chosen us for the mission that you have. We don't apologize for that. But we step into it, Lord. We trust. We trust your word today. In Jesus' name, amen.